Genoa. This is Yusuf. And this is Inflight Entertainment. Yeah, and we are in a throwback of the time loop week. I hope you guys enjoyed our Tuesday review of Boss Level. And uh, we're going to hit you with you know, uh, a sci-fi throwback. It's not so far back far as the year, um, but you know, it's considered a throwback now. Um, And it is the Tom Cruise sci-fi adventure Edge of Tomorrow. Yes, and it is based off of the uh anime? No, no, manga. It's like a manga. Manga Manga novel, All You Need is Kill by Hiroshi Sakurazaka. Yes. And before we dive into the movie, what was happening in 2014 when this movie came out? Uh, Um, well, uh, let's see. Uh, Obama was still president. (laughs) (laughs) Oh uh, yeah, that that's pretty much all. Like you know, we you know have to harp back to for good times. All right, uh, so there's that. And okay, so the song. Okay, I okay, guess this one. Okay, so it's a song, 2014. It was off of a soundtrack of uh, not a Pixar movie. I think it was a DreamWorks animated movie that just went on to be like the song of the year. Um, it was a pop song. It's a pop song. It's not like a a musical song. It might, might, might. In 2014? Mm-hmm. Like this song was everywhere. Weddings, graduations. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea because like they don't the, the only thing that comes to mind is like Lion King, but that was way, 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 way earlier. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Way, way. That's like 90s. <laughs> um, no, it was happy. Cap alone if you feel like a room without a room. Because I'm happy. All right. Wait, what, what movie was that part of? Uh, Despicable Me. Yeah, that thing oh. I was yeah, that was off the Despicable Me soundtrack. Okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's Despicable Me too. What it was one of those. It wasn't Minions. I think it was Despicable Me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Pharrell Williams, happy. Yep, that. Yep, that song. That. Yeah, that was that song dominated the year and the year after that. <laughs> I think. Uh, let's see. It came out June 6, thousand fourteen. I was just getting back from. Um, two weeks in Spain and a couple weeks in Italy. So I was, um, that was the year I was celebrating my 40th birthday all year long. Nice. Yeah, I'm surprised you wasn't singing this song because I mean, I'm sure you were happy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, no. uh -uh. (laughs) Pretty sure it was not on my playlist. Uh, yep so yep that was uh yeah that's what we're jamming to when this movie came out uh all right so who's all right who's in the movie and i want you to mention to uh our listeners 
what you what posted on Facebook in regards to a certain actor in this movie. Okay, so I mean the the big brand name in the movie is Tom Cruise. I think that's why a lot of people went and saw it in the movie. Um, Emily Blunt. Bill Paxton, Brandon Gleason, uh, and then a few other people um, are in the movie. But so as some people might be aware, we like to pretend that when actors play similar characters, that those characters are in the same timeline or the same universe. Mm -hmm. So Bill Paxton in um, Weird Science, he plays your brother, Shit. where he's Chet, where he's like back from camp, and a bit of a drill sergeant to his younger brother. Yeah. And so in this movie, he is an actual drill sergeant. He is Master Sergeant Farrell. And it just makes perfect sense that, you know, after dealing with this weird younger brother who creates women out of science, mm. that he went on to continue to work for the army. And now he's dealing with aliens. Oh, yeah. Probably Probably because his brother did some weird science <laughs> and like, let them know that they should come invade the Earth. I mean, it just makes perfect sense. Oh, so you think that Chet, now you think Gary and Wyatt secretly sent the signal out into space to welcome the aliens to come to invade us? I mean, after you make women, what else do <laughs> <are> you do? <laughs> And, oh, there you go. The, the, what's it, okay, so this is the Paxton verse. Um, right. All right. So, okay, I'll I go with that. So, okay, but so you think he. Okay, because you were saying Terminator too. <laughs> like, his character in Terminator is obviously part of the vampire movie because right. mm -hmm. in Terminator. He's, he's like a, a biker sort of like riffraff on the side of the street, hanging out with his bros. Mm -hmm. um, and in the vampire movie, he's basically the same thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they, so the vampire family made it to LA and the Terminator just killed them. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. What better? Okay. So just to keep this going. All right, what if, like, Chet, you know, after Elisa, I think, turned him into, like, a pile of shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe, like, that kind of shell-shocked him, but he was still, like, in, on sleaze mode. So now we enter in, into his character in True Lies, where he was, like, the used car salesman. Um yeah. That was lying to Jamie Lee Curtis that he's an agent. <laughs> I mean, I, I can I can go for that. Yeah. So right. he had sort of he fell from grace. He had a little bit of PTSD after being a pile of shit. Mm -hmm. Then after he encounters um, Jamie Lee Curtis and Arnold Schwarzenegger, he decides that he needs to go back into the army to get his life together. Yeah. And now he's master sergeant. Yes. Or we could we could span this out even more. Or maybe after uh David Curse and Swordsager freaked him out, he transitions into more um more research uh type uh career. And he's you know, then we enter his character in the Titanic, right? Remember he was interviewing the old woman? <laughs> 
No, because that would take like PhD and way too much school and everything. I well, feel like we... he's still a bullshitter because maybe he bullshitted. Maybe he was the maybe he was a bullshitter in uh, Titanic. Maybe he didn't really have all the credentials. Maybe he just kind of bullshitted his way into <laughs> interviewing the old lady for the pearl or the necklace. I, yeah, I feel like that's that's a con- completely different universe for the pack. That's a different parallel universe of Paxton. But that's but then again, that could be a good art. Maybe after Titanic, he like realized, you know, kind of like the fragility of life and stuff like that and defending it. And so he gets back into the military. <laughs> and then the aliens come up. Yeah, because after like he's gonna be too famous after the whole Titanic thing. Like there'll be articles on him and news and everything. It doesn't make sense for him to then go and, and do army stuff. Yeah, that's true. All right, we'll omit we'll omit his Titanic. Uh, research character. I I can believe that like his character from wait, Mighty Joe Young then goes to Titanic because uh, he's doing like weird science type stuff. But okay, yeah, I can go with that. Yeah, okay, all right, cool. So we have the different timelines. It's kind of like was it the the, t- the TVA of uh, the Paxton right. verse. The Paxton verse. The Paxton <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> All right. And that's, and there you go, guys. In-Flight Entertainment, Paxton verse. Um, yeah, we have the Venn diagram we're going to post on our page soon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so back to his character, this movie, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, so... Uh, we open with Tom Cruise, like a news report or press release of Tom Cruise's character, Cage, talking about how they need everyone to sign up for the army to go fight the aliens. Uh, basically, like it's a repeat of it's a reenactment of D-Day where people are going from the UK to land on the beaches of Normandy because all the aliens are in France and they need everyone to do their duty for earth and sign up for the army armed forces to sacrifice their lives to fight against the aliens. Cause this will be the final fight. Exactly. Yeah. And he's there in London and he's sent to go speak to, uh, the head of the armed force, forces, general Brigham and general Brigham lets him know that he too has been signed up to land on the Normandy beach and he's like, uh, no, I'm just a PR guy. That is not what I do. And he's like, false, <laughs> knocks him out. And Tom Cruise cage wakes up. Um, at the barracks. The, right? Yeah. Basically like on the tarmac of, at the barracks, at the base someplace, um, where he then begins his first crazy ass day. Um, He's thrown into the barracks where he meets his team. They all think that he went AWOL, um, that he's just lying about being a PR guy. Apparently, none of them watch the news. Um, (laughs) And then the next day, he's put into... So this is somewhere in the future where we have giant exoskeletons that the soldiers wear that give them extra strength and fighting power to take on the aliens. Yeah, it's like yeah, the exosuits. 
exosuits. Yeah. Which is a nod to, again, the, the graphic novel, all you need is kill. And he's put in the exoskeleton. They're put in their airplanes to go be dropped off on Normandy. Uh, and things go horribly wrong. Yeah. Uh, and you know, he, he dies and he wakes back up in the same place. He was like, laid out on the barracks. Uh, one of the drill sergeants kind of like kicks him. Oh, get, get up, maggot! You know, he's kind of like maggot like six, seven times. Um, and then he starts to notice that it's the same conversation. It sounds familiar and everything. Uh, uh, what's Pat, what's y'all pass this uh, day? What's the general? Uh, uh, Master Sergeant Farrell. Farrell, right. Yeah, you know, so he started, he started to repeat what the things for, like you know Pharaoh saying and Pharaoh's uh, looking at him weird like uh, uh whatever and just kind of shuffle him along his normal pattern of where he goes and you know you see, see the same uh like grunts that's in the tent you know and all that stuff and so the first time he goes in you know the, his uh his uh his, his soldier his comrades if you will um uh, was playing cards and I said, you know, you're not supposed to play cards, right? So they hit the cards under the blanket. And Pharaoh, the first, the first time he called, he goes in, Pharaoh spots still playing cards. And the second time, you know, he comes in, he noticed again, like, oh, they're playing cards. Yeah. So he's mentally kind of picking up on the stuff he's seen, you know, before he died. And so he's kind of making mental notes. And before he died, also throughout the first trip, he was constantly telling one of his like you know um, soldier mates, you know how to take the safety off. How do you take the safety off? Like he kept yelling, "How do you take the safety off?" Uh, and I think this time around, he just switched it on. He just like know how to turn the safety off. That so yeah, yeah. Huh. He figured it out the first time around, right before he died. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and now at the same time, we're seeing, you know, like billboards and like pictures of Emily Blunt. Like she's like just a badass, a badassery. This okay, this is what I love about this movie. This movie is so manga. Okay, now only in manga and kind of um games, like video games. Uh, like Japanese games where their swords are just ridiculously and unbelievably huge to like realistically, physically, it's like you can't swing that. It's just too freaking huge. What they have in Emily Butt is just like handling this amazingly, like ridiculously huge sword. Just like an anime, just like a manga, and I'm so glad that they like maintain a, the sword size of like a manga like character that I, I had to like you know tip my hat to them. Like if you don't know, like it's kind of like if you didn't know this was based off like Japanese like comics or anything like that. Like there's things visually to let you know, like hey, this is based off of some Japanese stuff. <laughs> Yeah, so that was uh, a nod to the actual character in the in the graphic novel. Um, apparently, she carries 
a, a giant sword in the graphic novel because when she has her whole repeat episode, she kept running out of ammo and mm. realized the best way to survive was to actually carry a, a sword. Damn right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, Emily Blunt being Emily Blunt and all of her, see, I, I don't know, she's a new, she's a new chame, chameleon act, like actress of our time. You know, it's like, you know, she could go Mary Poppins on you or she could go Edge of Tomorrow on you. It's like, and she does it just with flawless victory. <laughs> very, very convincing. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah definitely. Love her. Sonoya. Um, yeah, and also through Tom Cruise um, uh, kind of figuring out the steps to get through the beach and not get killed, he saves Emily Blunt from, I think, a plane, uh, one of the uh, down planes blowing up on her. And she, I think, in a way, I think she said something like, you know, well, like, how did how do you know? And he, she was like, he was like, oh, I seen you die. I seen you die. And she tells him, you know, when you wake up, come find me. So this pretty much starts the second act of now we know that she had a time loop or still have a time loop, as we we think she still have a time loop. But she reveals that she had the time loop, uh, but she lost it because I think she got shot. She bled out. And she had a blood transfusion. After the blood transfusion, she lost the time loop ability. Yes. So she lets Cage know that whatever he he does, don't get, like, make sure you die. Because if you're taken to a hospital and treated, you're going to lose that connection. And it's super important we have that connection because that's how we're going to find out where the aliens have their hive mind mm-hmm. uh, in order for us to take them down. Right. Yeah. And same as boss level that we reviewed Tuesday is them is Tom Cruise going over the same day and trying to figure out how to advance, so to speak, uh, throughout that day. And he teaching or he's telling uh, you know, Emily Blunt, it's like, okay, I see you die over here, so you have to go left, like pretty much like a chess piece. It's like, okay, so you go left, shoot, you know, go right, duck, things like that. So it's all these things that she's trying to remember on the battlefield so she could advance alongside with him. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty cool sequence, you know, like how they trying to do, how they trying to make repeated memory you know, a, a good thing, an advantage for them, you know. So. Yes. So they uh, continue to try to, and the way they're going to, he's going to find the hive mind is basically after a number of times that he does this loop, he starts to have flashes of where the alien hive mind is located. And he discovers that the hive mind is located um, at a water power plant, but they then soon find out that that was actually a fake. The hive mind knew that they were looking for him, and so was sending false visions. Mm-hmm. But 
in the third act, we find out that the hive mind is re- really at the Louvre in Paris. And so now the uh, third act is all about getting to the Louvre. Right. So, yeah, so he gets kind of, so he gathers the ragtag misfits of J Squad <laughs> uh, to help, you know, help him, you know, get to get there and, you know, finally, you know, knock out the hive. And you know, give them the advantage because that's the reason why. Uh, well, the aliens they coined the aliens uh, mimics, uh, so that's pretty much why the like the mimics have been like winning because they have that advantage of loot time. So they just know everything before it happens, you know, which leaves us humans at a disadvantage. Um, so yeah, but they they but they're not expecting one of us to have that same power, you know, to take it take the fight to them and stop them, pretty much. Uh, so we see the big final battle go down, and as always, our hero wins. <laughs> yeah, because it's Tom Yes. Yeah, and so, question for you: At the end, when he like he blacks out, and then he wakes up and he's in a helicopter, that's like a new day, but not a new new day. Right. So yeah, and, I, and that yeah, you know what? That's funny. That I, I always think about that scene. Like it, it goes to before he lands. So it brought him back to a new timeline. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we talked a little bit about uh, multiverse at the beginning of this episode. I feel like because of that, like, does each does each time loop give us a different multiverse? It, uh, in this case. I mean, in this case, I'm going to assume not because it's kind of like a singular time, but the aliens just keep, you know, looping it back, right? Rewinding. Exactly, yeah, like the cassette tape. You just keep rewinding. Rewind, 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 rewind. Um, Okay. And he wakes up on the helicopter and the, the, it's a, they, they, their machine rewound it, uh, but because their machine failed, uh, it is a new timeline. Right. And yeah, and, and pretty much you hear on the news that, you know, us humans, you know, got the upper hand. We're like infiltrating, you know, the hives and, you know, everybody kind of yelling victory at this point. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I guess the. Yeah, it, I guess it took them back to rewound them back to a time, right? Right before he was he was going to meet General Brigham. Right. So, in the beginning of the movie, he's on the helicopter headed to meet General Brigham, and now he's back on that helicopter, and the battle is basically on the verge of failing because. 
the hive mind was destroyed and can no longer control all the mimics who are don't like the only reason why the mimics were winning was because they had that time loop so that they knew where to be, mm-hmm. not because they were intelligent. Exactly. Yeah. Like I said, they just knew how to take advantage of their gifts. <laughs> yeah. So the exoskeletons that the actors were wearing, um, a lot of that was real practical effects and not CGI. And they weighed 85 pounds. That's crazy. And so when Emily Blunt was told that she was going to have to wear those for a lot of the filming and do the her stunts in them, she she cried, apparently. Yeah, but she's such, she's such a badass. I mean, she, you know, she, she made it look, you know, easy peasy. Um, yeah. And, and, I, and I'm pretty sure, especially with kind of like the jumping and stuff like that, that, I'm sure they probably had them wire harnessed at a certain point, especially if they had to, you know, move around an extra 85 pounds beyond their weight. Yeah. 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 Well, Apparently, Tom Cruise did all of his own stunts, which... <gasps> Shocking. <laughs> oh, no. Not surprising. Um, and Emily Blunt did a large number of hers. They did have to go back and do some reshoots, and she didn't do the stunts during the reshoots because she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then apparently, Tom Cruise, while he he was confused while she wasn't doing her own, own stunts because... In the previous filming, she had done all of her own. Mm-hmm. And that's when she told him that she was pregnant. So <laughs> her husband and Tom Cruise were the first two people to know that she was pregnant. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, that was a uh, yeah, John Krasinski plant, planting that flag. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. So this movie was directed by Doug Lemon, Lehman, Lehman. Now, people don't know about him. So if you watch the first Born Identity, that's kind of what put him in the forefront of the Rolodex of producers and studios after the Born Identity. Uh, so like he didn't want, he's the first director that, you know, He's the director that brought the one identity into movie form. And then his next big one was Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So uh, I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to stop you there yeah. and go back before the born identity because he directed swingers. Yes. He directed swingers. Yes. Which for all of us Gen Xers, I feel like was a big thing <laughs> in the nineties. I, uh, I, I agree. It it sort of made ska and swing dancing um, sort of popular. It it led to all those Gap commercials where they were doing swing dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so yes. I'm, I'm going to throw speakers out before Born Identity. Maybe Born Identity made him more open yeah. a larger audience. Yeah, it made him more in demand. Okay, because, you know, Swingers was an independent flick, right? It was like, you know, yeah, of course, the Jit Dancers, like, we, we hold that movie, you know, near and dear. But, you know, like, yeah, he was on the radar, but... 
you know, Born Identity was like a huge box office smash. So that kind of like pushed them over the threshold. Right. But Swingers gave us Vince Vaughn. Uh, it really brought more attention to John Favreau. Um, I know he was in Rudy before that, but. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, agree, agree, agree. Yeah, I agree. Yes. As far as recognition, yes. But notoriety. Born Identity. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then, after, and then after Born Identity, he did Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which brought us the uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie relationship. Brangelina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then he did. Well, jump. Okay. Well, jump or no, I Oh, uh, yeah, and then uh, it's tomorrow. Uh, actually, uh, it, he teamed back up with Tom Cruise in 2017 uh, for uh, American Made. Uh, I don't know if anyone's seen this. But actually, I thought I found this movie pretty entertaining. It was based off a true story of this uh, American pilot in the 70s who was secretly kind of drug smuggling from Bolivia to America and it's like private plane. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that was, I, I, actually, I found that highly entertaining that movie. It, it, people who had ever seen American Made, give it a look. I, I think you might like it. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that movie. It was entertaining. Yeah. Uh, it was a good, it was a good airplane movie. Um, and then a couple weeks ago, we reviewed Cannonball Run, and he has actually um, apparently signed up to do a new The Cannonball Run movie in a couple. <gasps> what the new? It, it's uh, the description on IMDb says current stars update the original characters from the first two cannonball movies and race again, new cars, new obstacles and new laughs. So the director has been identified, but there's no cast um, listed yet. It's just really the director and the writers. Okay. So should we email him the audio of all the suggestions of the racers that we uh, suggested in our episode. Uh, yeah, we, we should. We should. Yeah, totally. Because <laughs> that would be box office goal if they cast who we want them to cast. <laughs> but anyway, okay, that's so funny. We're just talking about this. And they actually got to do a, a new one. That's funny. Yeah. Nice. I'm sure it's Fast and Furious has done so well. There's 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 room for no, more car movies. Yeah, but they have to keep. But they have to keep Cannibal Run old school. They can't go. They can't go Fast and Furious absurd. We have to like keep it. No, we, we have to keep it grounded. We have to like real chases, real car. Like back to like some old school Blues Brothers car chases, like real cars being tumbled over, stuff like that. Like yeah, to, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> But we'll see. No rockets on cars, please. Unless it's the Jackie Chan car, you know. Right. Well, we. I feel like they have to bring Jackie Chan back. Yeah. 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 You said that you was like Jackie Chan should come back. You know, it's the same character. Like he's older now, but he still want to raise. So, what is our rating for Edge of Tomorrow? Uh, uh, it is. Uh, 
sit down, ass on couch. Uh, it's a good watch. You'll enjoy it. Um, the second one is putting on your shoes, contemplate going outside and or cleaning, uh, meaning that, you know, yeah, yeah, have it on while you cleaning or you might go out walking. Who knows? You're on the fence. And the last and worst one is go right outside. I'd rather go outside, get spat on by, you know, anti vaxxers and before I sit and watch this movie. Uh, for me, I think it. I think it is sit on the sofa. It's the first time I saw it was on a plane. I was like, this is just tedious, um, <laughs> because I feel like I only got through the first act, mm-hmm. and then I watching it this week. Uh, I watched the entire thing and got beyond the first act. So, cool. you know, so sit sit on the sofa. It's you know, it's, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly that's how I feel. Like it, it, yeah, it wasn't a waste of two hours. I mean, it was entertaining, and and actually, and it lines up with boss level in so many ways. Far as like the main protagonist trying to use the time loop to get out of the day. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Except this is more like a sci-fi alien invasion, and boss level is like get away from mercs and assassins that's killing them. Uh, but yeah, but on top of that, with this one, you got Emily Blunt that's just on badass remote number 11, you know, uh, she's so good. Uh, so yeah, uh, and plus it was, it was also seeing her like shooting Tom Cruise like, like 20, 20, 25 times. <laughs> it's like, oh, your leg's broken. He's like, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then he's just like, she just shoot him in the face. <laughs> yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah. Uh, cool, so there you have it, Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, if you let this movie kind of go over you past, you know, a few years or so, yeah, give it a look. Um, is it on what is this on? Oh, this you can rent it on Amazon Prime. Okay. Amazon Prime, y'all. Uh, check it out. Because um, I know Tom and Emily have been circling the wagons on the sequel for like years. So, I don't know. Let's see what happens. Uh, so, there you have it, guys. Uh, it's tomorrow, and we are done with our time looping week. And we'll catch you on the flip side with another exciting theme week. Until then, we wish you safe physical distancing and. Please get your vaccines and continue to wear a mask until Delta is gone. Yes, please. Peace.